0: All right, if you're turning your Bibles tonight to Galatians chapter 5, we are uh, kind of at the end of a sermon. It was a three point sermon, and so we're down to the last point. So just one point tonight, but Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, let me read the text again, but we are only dealing basically tonight with this last point, which is going to be verses 5 and 6. So let me read again Galatians 5, 1 through 6. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 2, look, behold, open your eyes. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. That's where we ended last Sunday evening tonight. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, a couple of people picked up on this last week, and some of you others may have picked up on it and just didn't Communicated, but I actually had some come and talk to me. They said, what you preached was dangerous. And it was, if you caught what I was saying, it is dangerous because it almost sounds like you're absolutely free and you can live however you want. Because that's what it says. You see, Christ for freedom, He set us free. He He did everything. You you, you just believe Christ. It's the baptistry. It'll, it'll quit eventually. You just believe Christ. You, there's no work you can do. There's no money you can give. There's no kind of things that you can go through, some type of little hoops, and if you do all these things, then you'll be a Christian. No, no, and no. At the basic bottom line of the gospel, you, the wicked, depraved sinner, look to Christ and believe, and you're free. You say, it comes to communion, you say, I don't know if I'm worthy. If you are in Christ, you are worthy. You say, well, pastor, if if people grab a hold of that, I just think that they're going to just go do this and go do that, and they'll just say, well, I'm once saved, always saved. I can live however I want. They may go do that if they don't have genuine faith. But if they have faith, there's going to be such a supernatural change inwardly that they're not going to be able to live loose and be comfortable with it. Why? As dangerous as it is to say, you're saved by grace, live how you want, as dangerous as that statement is, here's the thing you've got to know. The Spirit of the living God dwells within you. And he is the one who will restrain you. He's the one who will lead you. And you'll come to those texts and you'll say, well, should I sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You can't add anything to the gospel. Look, in this day and age here in the text, circumcision, you've got to believe Christ plus be circumcised. Paul says, circumcised uncircumcised doesn't count for nothing you think you have to work for salvation if that's the case christ is of no advantage to you you are severed from christ and you have fallen from grace all three statements sound very ominous to me i'm not i have nothing in my hands to bring like oh god should accept me because i was born in east texas and i'm white that don't help They're wicked, depraved people that are white in East Texas, right? The only thing I have to come to is say, I believe in another. Look, even in our religions today, they do it. Well, you can be saved by faith, but then you have to speak in tongues. No, I don't. You can be saved, but you have to be baptized in the Spirit. No, I don't. I just have to believe Christ. You can be saved if you believe Christ, you walk to the front of the church and you repeat a prayer after the preacher. No, you can sit in your truck and believe Christ and be saved right there. It is faith, faith, faith. You look in your own heart and you say, I'm wicked, I've sinned, I've broken all the laws of God, I deserve to go to hell, but I've heard there's a Savior, and I've heard that He has done everything perfectly and I believe Him because I could never pull this off. I trust Christ and his righteousness because I have none. Now, we looked at effort, and we talked about effort, and effort's not going to get you to heaven. You can't be good enough, and you can't make enough cookies for your next-door neighbor in order to earn your way to heaven. And then we talked about excision, having things cut off, severed, fallen away, Christ of no help, and we saw all of that in verse 4. And now tonight we come to the last part of the message, in expectation, verses 5 and 6. And you'll see the first line of the text, for through the Spirit. This is why I'm not afraid of Jeffrey being baptized. Well, is he too young? Is he too old? He's only required to believe Christ. You don't have to live up to some standard. You don't have to meet and achieve something. You just have to believe Christ. And what do we have? He told me he believed Christ. He told me Christ died on the cross. He told me Christ was buried and Christ was raised from the dead. And he said he believed him. What are you going to do? He believes Christ. Well, then be baptized. Okay, I'll be baptized. Write your testimony. Okay, I'll write a testimony. Whatever you want me to do, I just want the world to know I believe Christ. So it's required is faith. He does that. Then we find in verse 5, through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. This is this invisible, internal working that God gives to every person who believes Christ. You, you can't see, draw, and measure. Something going on here, is supernatural and mighty and powerful. There's a dead heart, there's a corrupt spirit, and it's taken out, and you get a new heart, and you get the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. A whole new nature. They're not the same anymore. It is an absolute. Sovereign miracle of God making a dead man alive. And when he does this, the spirit dwells within the person forever. For, in, for through the spirit, by faith, we're waiting for this hope. Now, look at this contrast very briefly contrast between law and spirit. Now, there's more of these. I'm just giving you a couple tonight. The law couple of things that is said about the law. The law produces death, Romans 7.10. It's the law that convinces me of my sin and death. Number two, the law creates fear and wretchedness, Romans 8.15. Makes me afraid of hell. Makes me afraid of judgment. Makes me afraid because it says guilty, 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 guilty. And so I'm afraid to stand before a holy God because the law says, I am to be condemned. And the law enslaves, Galatians 3, Galatians 4, shackles us and ties us and keeps us under condemnation. And every time we step over the line, pow, you're out of line. Pow, you're out of line. It just beats on you and beats on you and beats on you. That's what the law does, it's a terrible taskmaster. And everybody that doesn't believe in Christ, everybody that refuses to be baptized, you remain a slave. Now, I don't want to be a slave. You are one. And the law is your master. And the devil is your father. And he has beaten the living daylights out of you. And then he's going to take you to hell. That's what the law does. And you get fear and anxiety over all of this. Contrast those truths with this truth. He says, through the Spirit. Now, in contrast to the law, the Spirit makes alive life. Life. God designed us to live for His glory, and the Spirit gives us life and enables us. Listen, it enables us, He enables us to live. What does that say? Every person outside of Christ is not living. They're existing, but they're not living. Only by the Spirit do we live. Secondly, it's the Spirit who brings about hope and assurance. You look outside, the times are dark, politics are bad, world's going to hell in a handbasket, evilness everywhere, oh, despair, despair, despair. Then, pastor, why do you have hope? Why do you have confidence? Because the Spirit of God lives in me. And he assures me that one day I'm going to make it home. And when I get home, there's not going to be any more sin there. And I'm going to eternally reside with my Savior. And we're going to be walking in harmony forever. The Spirit gives me hope. I look at the newspaper and I want to commit suicide. I listen to the Spirit and I want to jump and leap and shout for joy. That's what the Spirit does. And thirdly, the Spirit brings about Freedom. Freedom. You can live in obedience to the things of God freely. You can love as much as you want to love. You can give as much as you want to give. You can serve as much as you want to serve. You can lay down at night and sleep with a clean conscience. And he gives his beloved sleep. The Spirit does that within us. Remember. Not to always give thanks to God, he says, Paul said to the Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Why? Because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit. The Spirit is the one setting us apart for the things of God. Now I know it's a little bit long, it's only 11 verses, but if you have, can, turn to Romans chapter 8, and at least here, very quickly, Romans 8. You say, man, that preacher's fired up. Well, this is more important than a football game. Come on. All right, Romans 8. I mean, this stuff here, if this don't make you happy, I don't know what to tell you. But Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You remember those things I just said about the law and they sounded terrible? We're not under those no more. We've been set free from those. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What did he do? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Do you see that? The righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us. How so? By believing Christ who kept the law perfectly. Who walk we don't walk according to the flesh. How do we walk? According to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. You think about lost people. This is really easy. Let's think about lost people. What did lost people do? Uh, where's my next beer? Where's my next lotto ticket? Where's my next cigarette? Where's my next sexually immoral relationship? Where's the next view of pornography? What's the next TV show? Where's the next thing that I can do in order to buy something for me to gratify myself? That's all they do. That's the law they're under, and they can't do nothing else. And they're always miserable, always busy, and nothing ever works out because it all falls apart. They live their whole lives like that. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit For to set the mind on the flesh is death. It's just death. But to set the mind on the spirit, get it, is life and peace. Peace. Clean conscience. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh, listen carefully, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whatever good work you do does not please God because you can't do it in the flesh on your own. You must have the Spirit. Verse 9, 10, and 11. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, since, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. (coughs) Man, what a blessing that he gives us the third person of the Godhead to dwell in us that we could actually live. Now, consider a couple of things tonight. So I gave you a contrast between law and spirit. I asked you to con- consider a couple of things. The Holy Spirit regenerated you, brought you to life as a demonstration of grace. And now it's by his empowering work that you're able to live in freedom. What does the Holy Spirit empower you to do? Now, it get a little tricky in a sense, but let's think this through. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in the believer, and he empowers me to live. How is he going to empower me to live? Well, negatively, he's certainly not going to empower me to live contrary to the law he wrote. (laughs) Like the Spirit's going to empower me to be a breaker of the moral law. That makes no sense. He loves the law, he wrote the law, and he'll empower you to be a truth speaker, a parent honorer, and a Sabbath keeper. He'll he'll empower you in those things because they're for your good, for your benefit, and he will empower you in that. He certainly does not empower you to live in rebellion to God. He saves us by grace, and he keeps us by restraining grace free with the spirit operating in restraining grace. What David Miller say, we'll say it again. I think it's so good. Here's how restraining grace works. You get an opportunity and you have no desire. You get a desire and you have no opportunity. So in your heart you're lusting after a woman and you can't get your phone to work to look up pornography restraining grace you desired to look but you couldn't get the thing to work that's restraining grace you know all of a sudden you have this opportunity to look but you don't have any desire to look the spirit of God in you restraining and stopping and keeping you from going head over heels unto sin the spirit is not going to let you go It's going to keep restraining you that you would walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And not picking on Jeffrey, but he's the one baptized tonight. What's going to happen in his life? The Spirit of God's in him. What's going to happen is the Spirit is going to control him throughout the whole of his life. Is he ever going to sin? Yes. Is he ever going to mess up? Yes. Is he going to be able to live in sin the rest of his life? Not with the Spirit of God in him because the Spirit won't allow it. Do you believe that? The reason that you're able to even be here tonight is the Spirit of God empowering you. Left to yourself, you would never be able to walk this road. Well, I say amen. I think it's good. Knowing this truth, it should not be hard to comprehend that one of the roles of the Spirit in your life is to give you hope in the consummation of the righteousness that has already been purchased in Christ. And you see that in the verse. We ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Perfect consummated righteousness. Let me example, when you're the heir of an earthly estate, the inheritance is already yours, but in reality you're waiting for the partaking of it. Well, everything that is in Christ desires through the work of the Holy Spirit. We're eagerly waiting for that day when we inherit everything Christ possesses. That's hard for us to grasp. Everything that Christ owns, we inherit in him. Eagerly waiting for that day. Asked you, I showed you a contrast, asked you to consider a few things. Let me say one or two words about Christ from our text. He negates all human effort for law keeping righteousness. It's all negated. You must believe Christ. A man may or may not be circumcised, but this counts for nothing. You can baptize your baby with sprinkling. You can go over here and get circumcised. It counts for nothing. Unless you repent and believe upon Christ, you're going to hell. Nothing that's going to count. I can't do it to you. You can't do it for yourself. We must believe Christ. Christ negates all human effort. It doesn't count for anything if you want to work to gain salvation. Here's what counts in verse 6 faith expressing itself in love. Look at verse 6 as we close. For in Christ Jesus, it's not circumcision, it's not uncircumcision, that doesn't count, not valid for anything. He says, here's the only thing that counts. Faith working through love. Genuine saving faith will express itself naturally. If you believe, love will ooze out. You believe Christ, and love for God and love for men happens. You say, I never loved church people before. I never loved the church. I never loved the Word. I didn't love God. And now I said, I want to read my Bible, and I want to pray, and I want to sing, and I want to have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. Because if you have faith, love works through that faith. Thus, in this verse, the hypocrite on the left hand and the right hand are shut out. What do you mean by that? On the left, the Jew is shut out along with all who attempt to work for their righteousness, shut out, no works. On the right hand, all those who are slothful and idle are shut out. Shut out both sides, and in the middle, what do you have? Faith expressing itself through real and actual love. Now, some of you are more reformed, and you know these things, so I have to say this word, but you know Martin Luther said that James was a right, strawy epistle, and he wanted to kind of not use that in the Bible. He's going to throw out James, right? Some of you know that. What does Martin Luther do in his commentary on Galatians when you get this? Right? You say, what's he going to say? Well, I'll tell you what he says. Quote, it is true that only faith justifies, but I speak here of faith which after it has justified, is not idle, but occupied and exercised in working through love. You just said what James says. Right? He, he said, you got faith, it's going to work itself out in real love. Because that's the heart of Christianity. And say, so, what does faith working through love look like? Let me make this really simple, because I love God's law. And I want to just submit it to you before before you again. Here's what love looks like. It looks like someone who honors the first four commandments. And they honor the first four commandments. Why? Because they love God. And because those four, first four commandments are in our relationship to God, they cherish them and they express them and they obey them because they love Him. And then those other six have to do with relations with men, and they obey those, because all of those have effects upon how we treat one another. And so faith working through love is shown in a person who submits to the moral law for the glory of God and the good of the church. The spirit does that, empowers us to live this way. And you say, as we close the night, you say, "Yeah, but I know some church people, yeah, me too. But look, you don't judge people by a snapshot. You don't judge David by reading Psalm 51, right? You don't judge Peter by looking at the denial in chapter 18. You've got to look at a life. You look at my life and you say, well, Randall, over here you did, and you judged me by that one event. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get a bad rap because it's probably true. But what's the life? If the Spirit dwells here, the course of the life expresses itself in love to God, and love to brothers and sisters in Christ. God saves men who believe Christ, his Son. Men who believe upon the Son love God, and they love their neighbor. This started all the way back in Leviticus 19. Thus saved men understand why Jesus answered this way. What is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, With all your mind and with all your strength. The Spirit working through love. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What makes us so loving? What restrains us? What makes us walk this way? The Spirit of the living God takes up residence in the person when they believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now to finish tonight, the only question that remains is this. What about you? Have you repented and believed Christ? You say yes. Why have you not been baptized? Why are you not submitting to a local church and serving in a local church? That's what Christians do. They believe. They get baptized. They love God. And they love men and women, brothers and sisters within the local body. That's Christian. And so I invite you tonight to turn from self and to believe Christ. When you do, he'll empower you internally, and you'll stand and read your testimony like Jeffrey, and you'll make it known to the world that you're following none other than Jesus. Let us pray tonight. Father, thank you so much for this glorious night. Thank you for a time to hear about Christ, to hear about the gospel, to hear that Christ has paid it all, and that we are only required to believe him. I pray tonight for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in the room that right now, this very moment, they would look unto the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And I pray for the believers in this room that we would be encouraged not to live based on performance but to live because we're free and to live because the Spirit of God empowers us to live for the glory of God. So Lord, we thank you for these things and we pray them tonight. By your spirit, in Christ's name, amen.